1: You know the Christian life, the Christian life is like eating crab, uh, if you eat crab. You like crab? I mean, there's meat in there somewhere, right? But in order to get there, you got to crack the skin, you got to peel it out, you got to pull it out. I mean, so much work. And sometimes life can get can be that way. But God promised, I'm going to give you that life and you're going to have have it blessed because your relationship with me, I'll satisfy you. I will make you content. Now, the word satisfaction here is not meant for us to say God is going to give us everything He want, everything we want. Satisfaction here is trusting and hoping in God despite of what you're going through. Okay? There's an old saying that says when God is glorified, the people are satisfied. And that's true. You know, you can. You and I can can. Uh, you know, can 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 dream of things that we want. We can hope for things that we want, and we can we can ask God for things that we want. But you know what? There comes a point when we need to examine the motives of our heart. Why am I asking God for all of these things? Why am I asking God for all this money? Why am I go- asking God for this or for that? You need to change. You need to check the motives of the heart. Okay. Because God says, I promise to give you abundant life. But that abundant life means you have to trust me. And that when I give that to you, you're going to be satisfied. Satisfaction is the goal. And, And you know what? That great theologian Mick Jagger was right. When he wrote the song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. He was right. He speaks for the entirety of humanity, including many Christians. All of life is training ourselves to be satisfied and content with where God has us and what God gives us. Not because He's denying us what we want, but He's testing our resolve. God is not going to share His glory with anybody in this room. Trust me on that. God is never going to bless anybody unless His name is glorified. I mean, that's just as plain a statement as I can make it. Because God blesses according to His glory. It's all about God. And we are here in this world, you know, like, like uh, uh, Yvonne said, we, we're, we're not guaranteed the next second, all right? We're not guaranteed. Something can happen, and it can drastically change the way we live. But sometimes we think God's promises are only for our satisfaction. We don't stop to think that God made a promise to himself first to glorify himself first, to bring his name above every other name. And when we do, this is what happens. According to, the, according to Romans chapter 5, verses 1-4. to four. Let me just read this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that the suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because when we face God one day, we would have known that our lives had been given to the glory of His name. Peace, perseverance, character, joy, and hope are all activities of the soul. We gain this through the testings that we go through in this world. And the testing that we go through in this world must give glory to God because in response, we have to show Him that we trust Him, and that we obey Him. Okay? Secondly, dissatisfaction with God's promises dishonors the blessed life that He promised us. That would lead to being disappointed with God's provisions. It's all related. Dissatisfaction with His promises will lead to disappointment with His provisions. The people were hungry. They cried out. They craved for other food. You know, we have a... Um, ministry here called Door of Hope, you know, we got stifled because of the um, pandemic, and we feed the hungry in our church, you know, we have that thing going, and one time I was there, there's this homeless and hungry guy that came up to us, you know, and we were uh, serving spaghetti that day, it was good too, and this guy came out, and he says, I don't need spaghetti, I don't like spaghetti, I want steak or chicken, do you have it? It's an insult. It's an insult to what God says I'm giving you. And that's what the people did. And you know what happened? They cried out to God. And I want you to to take this point and then we're going to move on to the next one. They were so angry that they don't have meat. Okay? And that they cried out to God. And they say, God, why, don't we, why, not, why, why aren't we having this meat? Why don't you give us meat? Why did you give us this manna? And they complained. They were not satisfied with the provisions that God has given them. And you know what God did? God sent them quail. God sent them quail. All right? You know how much quail God sent? All right? He sent three cubits deep high of quail that spa- expands... Like 70 miles of, pro- of territory. That's a lot of quail. You know? And you know, the, the, the point is this. God got, God got so angry at them that God answered their prayer out of anger. That's something you and I don't ever want to think of. Can you imagine God answering your prayer out of anger, not out of love? And that's what happened here. He answered their prayers. Oh, you want meat? Here are some quail. Three cubits high. That's about four and a half feet high of quail covering 71, 72 miles of territory. God says, Go ahead, you have your meat. And the Bible says that they started gathering this thing, they were so happy. And while the quail was still in between their teeth, God destroyed them. Why was it because God was unsympathetic to them? Absolutely not. God was testing their resolve, they were dissatisfied with what God is providing them. Okay, they have selfish reasons i've been told all my life you know if you ask god everything that you want god is going to give it to you that's not true god's going to give you what he wants to give you and when you accept what god wants to give you he's going to bring satisfaction to your soul not to your body you're not in this church this morning for your bodies otherwise you'll be hungry by now and you'll be wanting to go to the restaurant all right you're here for the soul it's the spirit that goes back to God. It's the, the, the soul of man is so important to God. And God says, you're not satisfied with what I'm providing for you. But it's part of the journey. It's part of the test. The entire nation of Israel was, was, was in this kind of thing. wherein They, they, they seem to think that, that God has their agenda above God's own agenda. They've been praying for God to send them a king, a messiah. You know what kind of Messiah they were expecting? They were expecting a king, a warrior, the one with, with power and, 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 and might. What did they get? They, they got a carpenter. His name was Jesus. And because of that, they walked away. They walked away because they couldn't accept what God says He's going to give them. And that's true for us too. There's so many stories in the Bible that supports this. There's a Samaritan woman who was, who was uh, drawing water, and Jesus says, Give me some of that water. And, and, uh, and, 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 G- and the Samaritan woman says, How are you gonna, how are you gonna get yourself some water when you don't have anything to draw from the well? And Jesus answered, If you only knew who is talking to you, you would ask him about springs of water that will flow out to eternal life. Jesus was not asking her for a literal water. He's asking her to trust him for an eternal flow of God's love and power in in her life. What's that water Jesus was referring to? Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit. That's what He's going to give to people when When we ask Him. He's going to give us His Holy Spirit. And why is that important? Because it's the Holy Spirit's presence in our life that will cause us to be satisfied not only with God's promises but His provisions as well. You know, I made enough failures and sin in my own life. I made so many mistakes in my own life. That I know if I don't make glorifying God a chief aim, I will never be satisfied in this life. Some of you are this morning. Maybe you're in danger of looking to satisfy yourself. Any way you want. I want to let you know this morning. I have a captive audience. The Holy Spirit of God is going to speak to you. God wants more for you than just the temporal blessings of this life. He wants you to cross that divide later on. He wants you to spend eternity with Him forever in heaven. And everything that happens in between your birth and in between your birth and your death. That's when God wants to glorify Himself here on earth. Thirdly. Disappointment with God's provisions will lead to us detesting God's presence. Of course, we know from the story, they started complaining to God. Uh, they did not believe that God was present in their lives. They did not directly say it, but with their complaints, they're saying, it would have been better if we stayed in Egypt. We don't believe that God is uh, interested in us. We don't believe that He's present. In, you know, If He's present, why are we in so much trouble? Why does He allow all of these things, loved ones, God it never moves. He's, he, he gave His promise. He gave His word that He will abide with us and He will. But we need to take that step of faith to trust in Him. Many people today live as if God is not present. Maybe, maybe, maybe even Christians. They believe in God. They attend church. They pray and all of that. But they don't really believe God is present. And how do we know that? We know that because we rely so much in our own solutions. We look to man made solutions to the problems. We don't even bother to think that God can perform a miracle in our lives anymore. That's the first sign that you don't believe that God is present anymore in your life. You know, when you have a problem, you're liable to call your bartender (laughs) before you pray to the Lord. You're liable to trust your stockbroker when you're in financial straits. What else? We agree with what the world says. Oh, it must be a popular thing to do. I'll, I'll go along with that. No, loved ones. God's word is far above and beyond what this world can ever say. And then we plan before we pray. That's the third sign that we don't believe that God is present. We plan for our lives before we pray. And what's wrong with that? It's backwards. Before we do anything, we pray and then we plan. And why is that so important? Because God is the author of every blessing. The Bible says all good things come from God. Now, here's a principle. If you want God to bless your life right now, you need to understand that you need to see what God is blessing, and then you jump on that bandwagon. Don't try to plan your own life, plan your own ideas, plan your own strategies, and then say, Okay, God, this is what I think is best for me. I want you to bless it. That's backwards. No, you do it the other way around. You look for what God is blessing. What is God blessing that you see? God is blessing kindness, right? You know that for a fact. When you show kindness to another person, you know that God likes it. What do you do? You jump on that bandwagon, be kind too. You know, God blesses um, patience, right? God give me patience and do it now. You know, God blesses perseverance, you know, staying put. Well, you know, perseverance means stay put, stay where you are. That's what perseverance means, beginning to trust God in those areas. Then we detest His presence. God, you're not here. You're not present. You're not answering my prayers. You're not really even listening to me. That third thing will lead to the fourth thing, and that is this, that we disrupt God's plans for our lives. God wants to take you from this place to this place in your life. And in between, you just couldn't trust God enough to fulfill his word. You know, the nation of Israel, when they were brought from Egypt to the promised land, you know, that whole journey from from, uh, Egypt to Canaan, that would have only been a two and a half weeks journey by foot. You know how long it took them to get from there to there? Forty years. That's a major delay. What would have taken two and a half weeks took them 40 years. What was the problem? They needed to be taught faith, trust, and obedience in God. They were dissatisfied, disappointment, they detested the presence of God. So God disrupted and delayed his plans to bring them to that land. A promise. God has given them promises, so many promises, and they neglected all of them. And you know, that can happen to your life. You know, God promises that you can have not a, not a perfect life, not a, not, a, not a prosperous life. Not all of us are going to be rich or millionaires. That's not the point of being a Christian. Although you hear that s- so many people today saying, you know, if God loves me, he would make me successful in everything that I do. He would make me rich. He would make me healthy. He will make me wealthy. He will make me all the things that I want to be. That just isn't true. Uh, That just isn't in the Bible. What God is looking for is for people to begin to trust Him without any reservations, without any conditions. When we give to the Lord, we don't give to get something in return. When we pray to God for, for, for something, we're not expecting Him to give back to us in a form of some kind of blessing. No, we pray because God is powerful and mighty to save. That's why we pray. So we cannot afford to stay where we are. We need to keep moving forward in trust and obedience to God. Some of you are going through some very hard trials in life. Some of you are going through some very difficult times, and I want you to know it's partly God testing you, and it's partly God disciplining you, okay? There's a difference. You know, if you, if, if you <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to say this again. I get asked by people so many times, Pastor, I have this habit. I, you know, I can't, I can't shake it. And they usually tell me the habit, you know. It's, it's from, you know, from drinking, smoking, and everything. And they tell me, does God still love me if I have this habit? Am I going to hell if I continue, let's say, uh, smoking? And I always tell them, well, yeah, you, you, you'll go to heaven even if you smoke. But you'll get there real early. That's really true. If you're a child of God, God wants you to live a satisfying, advancing life. How do we do it? Four ways we can go back to honoring God's life. It begins, number one, with consecration. You know what that means? Consecration means going back to God offering your life back to God. If you've lost your way, go back to God. Romans 12, one says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Surrender to the Lord your life. Psalm 51:17 says, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. You, O God, will not despise. When we consecrate ourselves, God builds in us number two. Character and character is important to God. Romans 5 3 to 5 says, Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Character is more important to God than anything else because. It reflects his own character. Thirdly, we need to be given confidence. Okay? Confidence. What is confidence? Courage with resolve. Okay? That's what confidence means. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Consecration, character, confidence will inevitably lead, finally, To contentment. Contentment. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Those are the words of God. They're not mine. And you know what? Why I'm, I'm so passionate about teaching this to God's people is because we're wasting so much time pursuing things that really doesn't advance our lives. It really doesn't advance our lives. Everything begins with consecrating ourselves to the Lord. That's where it all begins. What does that mean? It means that God says, I have given you this salvation. What are you going to do with the life that I have given you? Okay? Would you like to be that 100-year-old guy? A 24-year-old guy? No matter how long our lives have been given, God demands glory and He gives us satisfaction in return. Okay, I want you to stand this morning as we, as we pray and conclude our service. You know, we're going to pray momentarily and, you know, and then, you know, we'll get to go home and do whatever it is we do. But the, the time, the moments that we spent here at church is not a wasted time. You did not waste your time being here today it it's not a uh, this is not about being part of a religious organization this is not none of that the bible says that god has given us everything that we need for this life a- and what is it that every person in this room needs right now everybody in this room needs only one thing a relationship with god God created all of us. He created us for His glory. That's the only real need every person in the world really has. A relationship with God. How, how, how do you get to that relationship? He, he, here's, here's the best I can explain this to you from the Bible. You want a relationship with God, you have to show Him That you are capable of living a perfect life. The Bible says that God is holy, that no sin will be in his presence. So, if there's a person in here today that can convince God that they are perfect, all right, then you do not need God. You do not need a relationship with God. But here's God's honest truth no person in this room is perfect. Not a single one of us. Some of you are sinning already because you think the sermon went too long. Some of you are complaining already. I'm getting hungry. You know, look, that's the truth. Not a single person in here will enter heaven because they're perfect. So what do we do then? God demands 100% perfection. <laughs> I mean, I didn't say that. The Bible says that. You have to be 100%. And when you enter judgment day and God asks you, are you perfect? What are you going to say? You're going to say, well, I'm 99%, if you even that. And God's going to say, no, sorry, 100% is what i want." That's what God wants. So I'm telling you now, I may be a preacher, I may be a pastor, but I'm not getting to heaven because I'm perfect. I'm getting to heaven because God sent someone who is perfect to carry my imperfection and die for it. His name is Jesus. Jesus Christ didn't die on the cross to be a hero, a Marvel Avenger. He didn't go to the cross because he wanted to be viewed as a good teacher, as a good guy. He did not die on the cross simply so that people will look at him as a martyr. He died on the cross because God loved you and I. And if he doesn't offer a sacrifice for our sinfulness, we will all be separated from God in eternity. And God, out of the abundance and grace of his, his being, says, I'm going to bail you out by killing my one and only son, putting him on the cross, so that if you put your faith in him, you can be forgiven of your sin. And you, be, you can be given a new life. A life that will trust in me, that will be content in me. That's what Christianity is. And no other religion can take you to heaven. Only Jesus can. So, you know, as we pray and as we close today, you need to make that decision. Here's a secret that I'm going to tell you. God will never drag anybody to heaven against their will. He'll never say, come over here. You, you, you need to come here. God's not going to do that. You need to take the step of faith necessary to put your life in the hands of God. And you do that by trusting Jesus as your Lord and Savior.